God who makes all things new. That is amazing because that's who he is, an amazing God. This morning I want to share something with you, an article from, or part of an article from the Charlotte Observer, dated August 9th of 2019. If you want to go ahead and turn to Malachi chapter 2, we'll be looking at the first nine verses. But this is um, an article about a Baptist church in South Charlotte. And the title of it was Myers Park Baptist Identity Crisis. Benjamin Boswell, the senior pastor discussed why the church is considering dropping Baptist from the church name. They're using this whole year, 2020, to decide whether or not to do that, and they'll vote sometime in early 2021. It says the group is struggling to gain new members in part due to being associated with Baptist. Boswell complains that, now get this, explaining that we are the real Baptists and we do it the right way is hard. It's a long elevator speech to say, no, 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 I'm not like that. Not Southern Baptists, not those Baptists. We're the different kind of Baptists. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, what's he talking about? I don't know, Myers Park. It's right across from Queens College, middle of Charlotte or South Charlotte. And they've got a great big rainbow flag on the front of the church building. And it's not just that. But the article continues, the ironic thing is Myers Park not only doesn't require members to be Baptists, but you listen to this. It proudly counts members of other religions and boasts that its congregation also includes atheists and agnostics. The group's website has the motto, open to all, closed to None. And they're saying they're the real Baptists. They're not like us. And they're being premiered in the Charlotte Observer. Now how does something like that take place? What, what is taking place? And you see, that's not just the only one. They're not in just isolated as in they're the only Baptist church that is totally disengaged with the truthfulness of God's word as authority. They're not the only ones that have openly embraced the homosexual revolutions. They're not the only one that would ordain homosexual clergy. But they are one. And they're considering themselves to be the real Baptist. How does that happen? How do we get to that point in Christianity? I'm not talking about other religions. I'm talking about those who profess to have a relationship with Jesus and believe 
the Bible is the authority, how, how, how do we get there? Well, a thorough answer to that is going to take way more time than we've got this morning, and I'm not going to try to fully answer that question in one message. I can't. But what it, the, one of the short answers, and it has bearing upon our text, the short answer is this. A lot of men that are in front of congregations are failing, failing miserably in the stewardship to which they've been called. I don't even know that they are called, but they're standing in front of people and they are failing to guard, protect, and magnify the glory of God as he's revealed himself in Scripture. And that is what our text this morning is about. It's about the role of the priest in the Old Testament, the role of the pastor, the under-shepherd in the New Testament, to protect God's glory and the integrity of his word. So if you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of that word. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, and I will read through verse 9 of chapter 2. And the prophet says, And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offering, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Father, we ask that you would... Uh, Bless this word, and God, you would help us to understand the importance of what is written here. And God, the relevance, oh, how it is so relevant today. Father, that all of us, not just this pastor, not just Pastor James, but that all of us would seek to honor your name, protect your glory, and Father, would honor and obey your word as you have given it. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. So this message today 
two points, and it's directed toward pastors, toward the spiritual leaders. But there is application for you as church members and as participants in the process to be engaged, not just to show up and let things go. But basically the two points are this, the spiritual leaders are responsible for guarding the glory of God. You see that? We're going to see that in the first four verses. And then in five through seven, you're going to see that the spiritual leader is responsible for uh, guarding and giving true instruction through God's word. Now, it, basically what's going on, this is a continuation of the previous message, which was about polluted worship. And we talked last week about how the people were bringing deficient stuff. And so that was is more on the congregants. But now think about this. Who actually offered them on the altars? It was those priests. Instead of saying, oh, no, 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 this is unacceptable. You go back home and you get what you, your best, and then you bring it to God, and then I'll offer it. No, they were, they were okay. They were complicit with, with being a part of a corrupt system. And as a matter of fact, God's saying, I'm holding you guys more responsible. Because I put you in this position. I've elevated you to this. It's a privilege. It's a blessing to be there. You didn't deserve it. I chose you to be there. And you are failing to honor me. And so there's going to be some negative consequences. Now, he says he's going to, he knows they're not going to listen. And he says, I will rebuke you. And he talks about that verse 3 about the 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 dung and that's animal waste but it's it's more than just that it's it's we got deer hunters in here most of us don't sacrifice um animals like they did back then when you field dress a deer all that stuff uh i, I remember being with my dad when i was uh i'm not much of a hunter but i remember one of the first times i was with him I don't know, I was eight and nine maybe, and uh, we field dressed that thing, and it was it was cold, and when those innards came out, hit the ground, and it's smoking, and it's, you know, like, <laughs> and, now just think about getting all that just rubbed in your face. Just getting it put on you. And see, the, the animals, when they sacrificed them, the, they, on the altar, what they burned was the, the meat. All that other stuff, it was unclean. And they took it outside the camp and burned it. And what God's saying is, because you're refusing to honor me, I'm going to make you ceremonially unclean and I'm going to remove you from my presence. You're going outside the camp and you're going to be discarded like the waste 
that you have become. That's pretty serious language. And he's talking about the priest. Now, God takes his name very, very seriously. And see, we, we don't get the whole thing about the sacrificial system, but basically it was a way to guard the holiness of God because you were not allowed, even the priests weren't allowed, to approach God just any way they wanted to. It was God's way. There's a story you may or may not be familiar with, and um, it's in Leviticus 10. These are the original priests. These are the sons of Aaron. He had four sons. In the first three verses of Leviticus 10, two of them, Nadab and Abihu, decide to do their own worship routine. Didn't work out well for them. Verse 1, each of them took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. They said, we're going to do it our way. Verse 2, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. God takes his honor seriously. I don't have the liberty as a pastor to just do whatever I want up here. I have guidelines. My worship guidelines are in this book. So what's your role? Making sure I stay in the book. Will you know if I deviate from it? How will you know? How will you know? Well, there's only one way. You need to be in the book too. Because if you're not, how do you know what I'm doing is right or wrong? How can you determine between what I just said in that article about this guy at Myers Park when he says, no, 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 we're the real Baptists, and here I am saying, oh, no, that cat's out to lunch. He's taking a serious left turn, and they're wrong. Who's right? How, do, how can you determine? Read the book. It's pretty obvious you read the book. And you judge by their stance, open to all, closed to none, atheists and agnostics and homosexuals. Where do you get that in the Word of God? It's not there. It's just not there. You need to be engaged in making sure your pastor is guarding God's glory. Then we want to, and there's more application for you in this next part, because me, as a spiritual leader, Pastor James, we're responsible to honor the Word of God before you, the people of God. 
You look at verses 5 through 7, God's talking about the covenant of peace that he set up with Levi and his descendants, specifically the sons of Aaron who were of the tribe of Levi. He said, my covenant was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. I said there were four brothers. Two of them died supernaturally. They were doing their own thing. And fire from the altar from God came out and consumed them. You think those other two brothers were going to take any liberties with how they approached God? I don't think so. And the grandson, Phineas, is the one that this references here. And you can read this story for yourself in, in Numbers 25. Phineas was jealous for his God. Because there was a, a sexual immorality going on in the camp. Involved a bunch of people. And Phineas... Actually, what's going on, they're, they're, some of the leaders are weeping before the Lord because the people are being corrupt. And, and imagine this is what's going on. We're, we're in here having a prayer meeting, talking about repentance, talking about how we need to get our hearts back to God, how we've uh, disregarded his holiness as a group of people. And w we just need to have a, a come to Jesus meeting and, and get back with God and, and then... As we're having this prayer meeting, here come two people just strolling through the gathering, and they're going to go right over here to a tent and fornicate. That's basically what happened in this story. And Phineas, because he's outraged, because he's, I don't recommend this for, for pastors, it's today's society remember this was a theocracy God was ruling them directly but Phineas he was outraged for the holiness of God and what he saw as blatant disrespect he goes in the tent with him with a spear kills both of them and with that act Phineas stood between the living and the dead because the plague God had was striking 24,000 people dead for their disrespect and when Phineas did that he stopped the plague and he stood between the living and the dead because he was jealous for his God now the principle for us what are we willing to do what are you willing to do when you hear we're not going to see something like that, but we see God's name being disrespected all the time. What are you willing to do to stand up for God? Or do you just say, mm, wish he had, you know. Remember the ball, I wasn't even planning on saying this years ago, it was a travel ball. Not one travel ball, it was wreck. It was out here at East Park. Um, I think it was girls. Meredith might have been one of her. Anyway, one of the dads was over there um, 
going off on one of his own kids. I, I think I was coaching first base or something. I don't know. I wasn't right there, but Andrew's going to tell me about it. But he was, you know, using God's name in vain and just – and one of the other dads, and they were uh, members at Stony Point Baptist Church, he got up and went over to the guy and he said, hey, I don't appreciate that language. Don't say it again. My daughter's sitting right here. And I don't want her hearing that. I think, oh my goodness, you get shot today for. Yeah. I mean, things can happen, but we're so worried about what's going to happen, we don't want to take a stand. For God. But the pastor has responsibility to be awestruck before the holiness of God. To stand in awe actually means to be shattered, dismayed. The earthly priests were overcome by the presence of the power and the glory of God and were afraid in the proper and healthy sense. That's from uh, a commentary shattered that that passage that James read Isaiah he saw God and he said woe is me for I am undone it's basically the same thing is is like when you get when we get when I get a real vision of who God is it will cause us to be reverent and awestruck before him. Hey, he could just wipe us out because we don't deserve to stand in his presence because he's holy and we're not. But he loves us. The grace should cause us to reverence and fear his name. Do you pray for your pastor? I know some of you do. Do you pray that when I get up here on a Sunday morning that I don't just come up here thinking, ah, it's another Sunday, boy, I need to clock this one in by at least 12.05, keep everybody happy and get out. Or do you pray that I have been able to spend time before the Lord through the week and that I have prepared and that you are not just hearing from me, but you're hearing from God and that your pastor has been walking with God and that I actually don't just have this idea that I can do whatever I want, but this is serious business and that I am as best as humanly possible, preparing for an encounter when we meet with the risen Christ? Do you pray for me that way? If you're not, I appreciate if you would. Do you know what some guys are doing to get members? Gain crap. There's some of them coming in. I'm making this up. They're coming in by wires. They're descending into the pulpit. 
Some of them are driving in Harleys up on the stage. Some of them are riding camels down the middle of the aisle. And guess what? People come. They'll come to hear that and see that. It's a show. I'd rather people be attracted to the presence of God. This is not a gimmick. It's not a show. We're in this for the worship. I am, and I hope I always will be. And when I'm not, I don't need to be standing in front of you anymore. The lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger. Sloppy handling of the word of God along with a desire to please people instead of God is what gets you to the point of what that leader at Myers Park was saying. They've rejected the authority of the word. He's just there to make people happy. He's not pleasing God. You might think, that's harsh. How can I make that judgment on somebody else? I can make it according to the word of God. This is not about the intents of the heart. This is what he's saying. And as a leader, a public worship leader, just like I am, I'm accountable for what I say, and people can judge me on the basis of what I say as I stand here behind this sacred desk. This man is an apostate. He's preaching a false gospel. He's preaching that you don't have to repent. Yes, Jesus loves us. Yes, Jesus came to save us. Yes, Jesus came that we might live with him forever, but he didn't come to sanction sin. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. And it's not just me cherry-picking the sin of homosexuality. That just happens to be the predominant designer sin in our culture right now that's destroying the moral fabric of our society. But there are others. Okay, it's not just one, but they're saying they're open to all. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to believe Jesus to be a part of their group. And I'm going to say group. They're not a church anymore. They forfeited that right. I hope they do drop Baptists from their name. I'm embarrassed for someone else, a Presbyterian, to say, well, hey, uh, what's that group of Baptists down there in Charlotte doing? Y'all, no, 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 they're not us. Well, they're Baptists, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'd be okay. I'll vote for it with them. Hey, take it out. I don't want to be associated with them. But let me say, you've got a, you've got a part in this too. He's not preaching to empty pews. There are people in that group. And you know, I'm going to say probably they've got 1,200 people attending now or something according to that article. I'm going to assume there's some genuine believers in that place. 
Now, there shouldn't be. But that's probably somebody's church when they were a kid and, you know, things have gone this way, but, you know, I'm just going to stay because this is my church and these are my friends. And The authority and the power in a Baptist church is in the congregation. I would hope that you would never accept illegitimate preaching from the that departs from the word of God and that you would make a decision to terminate anybody that would stand before you and not preach according to this word. And if the group as a whole doesn't go along with that, then you leave. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate. And you think, well, okay, we're, you're, you're not doing that. So, okay, do you know anybody that's in a, in a group, a gathering that they don't need to be at? And are you, are you just going along with them? Or, or say, well, you know, hey, you got your truth, I got mine. If you saw somebody pick up a bottle of poison thinking it was a Pepsi, would you just watch him drink it? Or would you say, hey, what? I have a, a, a friend, and he, uh, he goes to a Baptist church in this county, and he also attends, I found out, I was shocked to find out, uh, he also attends uh, a gathering of a group of people over here off uh, Highway 16. And I said, what are you doing there? He said, well, I said, man, that, that's not even a church. I said, that kid don't preach the Bible. I've listened to a couple of his sermons. And, and I told him, he got all offended. I said, boy, you need to get out of there. Now, again, you might think that's harsh of me. But I have a responsibility. And so do you. So do you. You know people that aren't in a Bible-believing church and you, you want their kids raised in that? You okay with that? I mean, if they were passing out a toxin, that wouldn't kill someone outright, but over 10, 15 years, you drink it every week, it'll slowly kill you. Would you be okay with someone you care about doing that? That's what it is. False doctrine will spiritually destroy people. And the result is hell. Do we care that other people are going? If, if they're going somewhere where they're not preaching the gospel, if they're preaching a false gospel, they're not a church. If, 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 if they were going to the Mormons, or if, if they all of a sudden decided to go Islamic, 
Would you say, well, that's just your truth, and, you know, I've got my truth? I don't know, maybe you would, but somewhere along the line, God's people need to stand up for God's truth, for the honor and glory of God, and say, that's not right. We need to take this serious. I have a responsibility, but so do you. We're in this together. I don't want to have the refuse of animal sacrifices wiped on my face and me be cast out and put on the trash pile. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for your families. I don't want that for your friends. This is our community. It's not just about us, again, what we do in here, but what we do out there. You don't have to be ugly about it. Um, I mean, I wasn't shouting. At the, I just said, you know, hey, that's. And we, we had a little conversation there, but I said, hey, I've lit. Because he said, well, you don't know. I said, no, I've listened to uh, several. And I, I gave ex- explicit examples. I knew what I was talking about, that I listened, and this guy had said this, this, and this. And I said, that is not biblical. And of course, he couldn't defend it, so he didn't say that. So he's. Changed the subject, talked about something weird that I never understood, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we need to stand up for the honor and glory of God. Sometimes we, we, just, um, we just don't want to get involved in people's lives. How much do we care about people? How much do we really care about somebody? We're guardians. I might be the primary guardian as the under-shepherd of God's glory in in the the public teaching of the word here. But as an engaged church member who's serious about the worship of God, you should be worried and concerned about the reputation of God in your sphere of influence, whatever that is. And you should be making sure diligently that you have a basic understanding of God's word. And you know untruth when you hear it. And you're willing to stand up for the truth. As our musicians come, we have our time of response. Uh, Hard message in, in, to, to really conclude um, or at least I'm struggling with concluding it but our God is worthy he is worthy he is so worthy of more than we give him we just need to worship him and, and Jesus said worship in spirit and in truth Jesus said the truth will set you free. This is God's truth. It's up to us as God's people to live it, obey it, and share it with others. So however God calls you to respond to this message, I'm not exactly sure, but we're going to have a time of response as we close this service. And you just do business with God. Um, 
Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. God, that they might hear from you. Lord, I just want to be a faithful messenger. But Lord, help each of us who name the name of Christ that we would have a desire to be those faithful messengers as well. Lord, we've been bought with a price. We're not our own. You have your will and your way with us. We ask and pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I would like to ask you to please stand and turn to page 482.